basically just declare what is happening. So I do a lot of like talking to myself, <laughs> whether that's journaling or sometimes I'll speak it out loud, but basically like, this is what's happening. Like $1,500 is coming to me. I don't care how it's coming. Like, I don't care. I'm, I'm totally open, but like there's going to be $1,500 in my account tomorrow. You're listening to Creatives Making Money, the podcast for creatives who are on a mission to do the work they feel most called to do and make some money while they do it. This is a show for the makers, the dreamers, the doers, the creators, the artists, the crazy ones, and the ones who are determined to consciously build the life and career of their dreams. Here, we don't just believe in getting your dream job, we believe in creating it. So what does creative success even look like? How do we live a fully expressed, abundant AF life? That's precisely what we're here to find out. My mission with Creatives Making Money is to conduct 100 interviews with successful creatives and those who love and support them about money, career, and the process of making and doing what they most love, including all of the ups, downs, and in-betweens. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, writer, storyteller, filmmaker, serial entrepreneur, and shameless creator. No matter where you are in your creative and financial journey, I'm here to help you create like you mean it. Welcome to the Creatives Making Money podcast. My name is Jamie Jensen. I'm your host today. And with us today is the amazing Erin Lindstrom. Erin is a coach and sales strategist, and she's also the founder of Shiny Bitches, which I'm so excited for her to tell you more about. Um, But the short version is that it is a community and network for positive, conscious, shiny women to collect, connect, and collaborate. Erin helps her clients achieve their business goals with a blend of down-to-earth spiritual tools and practical techniques, and she believes that by fostering vulnerable and authentic connection, leaders can create a more powerful bond with their clients and customers, resulting in greater loyalty and deeper transformation. When she's not helping her clients make more impact or income, you can find Erin playing with her two adorable kids, hanging on stage at Push Improv Theater, so don't be surprised if this is a very improv episode. Or you can find her having a long conversation about life in the universe on this podcast or on Facebook Live with me or on her front porch in Norfolk, Virginia. (laughs) Erin is also one of my best friends in the whole world. We have lots of things we like to collaborate on together. So I am just genuinely pumped to share more of her with you. Hi, Erin. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I love it here. It looks great. Do you like what we did with the curtains? It's really nice. It's so vibrant. I thought you might like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to kind of start with like what inspired, like, first of all, can you define for us like what is a, sh- what's a shiny bitch? What does that even mean? Ah, sure. Okay. So a shiny bitch. Shiny to me is someone who is in their power and really shining for lack of better word. Um, I find that as humans, we all have like different talents and passions and all that fun stuff. So as we step into that and really are that, that is shining to me. So it's different for everyone. Um, As far as bitches go, (laughs) um, bitch to me is a bit of a reclamation. Um, Historically, a bitch is a woman who knows what she wants and is kind of unapologetic about that. And I'm done with that. So to me, bitches, 
bitch, bitch is a brilliant, intentional, transforming, conscious healer. Because I believe as we do the work to shine, we are healing ourselves and giving permission to others around us to do healing as well. Boom. Shaka-laka-laka. Shaka-laka. So how do you feel that, um, how does being shiny impact creativity? Um, Being shiny is being creative. Like when you are in your power and feeling your flow and all that stuff, like that to me is what creativity is. So I think the more, the more you're shining, the more creative you are. What's your personal definition of creative? That's a great question. So I like definitely Googled this the second before <laughs> we have time for this interview. Cause I was like, Oh my God, you know, when you think about a word too much, you don't even know if it's a word anymore. <laughs> oh my God. Totally. I used to have that with the word bin, like B E N N like, yeah. where you been? And it's like, bin, 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 bin. <laughs> It just loses its meaning and you're like, what the fuck does Ben even actually mean anymore? Exactly. Yeah. So I just did that with creative. <laughs> um, so, fun. so let's make it up. <laughs> so fun. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole point, right? Is that like, to me, creative is just like made up. We are creating. And so to me, humans are creative. Like our whole lives and like time on this planet, like is just a fucking creation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all made up. It's crazy to think about like how much, how much everything, like everything that we know that structurally exists um, has been created by human beings. Right. Like I was walking down the street the other day and I was just like, God, all these, like all this like plumbing and like electricity <laughs> and like water coming out of a faucet in my kitchen. Yep. It's like, I know that sounds crazy, but. No, it just- doesn't. It's like years and years of work and structures and systems and urban planning. And like, Mm -hmm. it's crazy. Yeah. I have um, a group of my friends were just in Greece and Italy. And so they were posting all these photos on Instagram and I'm looking at them and like, even just this like ancient architecture, like that's creation. Those were creative people were building shit and like, look how far we've come. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. All the way from cave paintings. Yeah. From cave paintings, like whether it's the actual building or the thinking or the like, all of it. All of it. It's insane. Mm-hmm. It's so insane. I feel like that's how I ended up going into the rabbit hole of art history and being obsessed. Mm-hmm. That's a fun trip. Mm-hmm. So tell me more about what inspired you to create Shiny Bitches. Well, Shiny Bitches was inspired from the days of your hot copy. <laughs> oh, we're going oh. back in time today. We're going back, back. back, back. Way back. <laughs> So back when Jamie had your hot copy, back when you had it for our listeners, um, I was the director of operations and I started taking over sales calls and the women that we were attracting to write for um, were fantastic. They continue to be. (laughs) Um, And every time I would have a call with them, I would get in touch with you and be like, oh my God, Jamie, she's so shiny. I just love her. I want to be her friend. And you were like, okay, good job. Did you sell anything? (laughs) But also like, yes. Um, And so that's really where it started for me is because I was having these calls where I was connecting with these women and copy while, you know, yes, of course you need words on your website, but really it was a lot more than that. Um, Particularly with our process, I think we really got to know people and see them for who they, not only who they are, but who they wanted to be and then connect them with that through writing, um, which is really intimate. And 
most of these women were at home doing this by themselves. So the conversations we were having were usually deep and meaningful and like, oh my God, we want more of this because we could understand each other in a way that the general population, if you will, could not. Um, so, yeah, so that's really where it started was I wanted more of those conversations and more of women who like got it and believed in each other and like could see it, like see the possibility. When you say got it, what is it that you mean? Like, like they got it. They got it. Um, so they're choosing to believe that like really largely that the world is an abundant place, um, that they're here to do whatever it is that they want to do. And that the possibility is like really in their favor. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that we're talking about this because we're touching on abundance already. So let's dance here for a while. I love dancing. Yeah, I love dancing too. So I would love to know for you, um, what big beliefs around money do you feel that you've had to like crack or overcome <laughs> or chain um, on your path to receiving abundance and creating creating a life that you desire, <laughs> serving in the most like effective way possible? Mm-hmm. Great question. Um, money. So number one, I think that going from money is something that like comes to me that I need to get or earn to money is energy and money flows is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from that, I don't know if I could like put it under a, like, this is the rule that I changed, but I definitely personally had to look at, um, what was going on when I was a kid and what I learned about money from my parents and then kind of reparent and decide what I wanted to believe and decide what I could do versus what I was modeled. Mm. Hmm. What inspired that change? Hmm. <laughs> um, I almost want to say necessity. Mm-hmm. So what inspired that change? Two things. Number one is that I, I've always believed something different than what I was in, if that makes sense. So when I was little, I remember being in the backseat of my mom's car and asking her <laughs> really large questions like, why do baseball players make so much money and teachers don't? So I feel like I've been questioning like the laws of all of this money and jobs and how we create and how we're paid and all of that for a very long time. Um, and also I have two small children who are three and five now. And when, when I was kind of getting started in the entrepreneurial world, I was first single. And then I was pregnant with my daughter really when I was like launching my coaching business. Um, And that sort of shifted everything for me because my ex-husband, husband at the time, was in the Navy. And that's a very, um, uh, I want to say small salary, but small is relative. So, you know, (laughs) it's a salary, but it was very like, this is all you get. And that didn't work for me either. And so knowing what I wanted and where I wanted to go required a mindset shift. What do you think is something that, um, what do you think is something that you and your clients have in common around money? So like, do you believe that, that their need to shift those beliefs or crack those beliefs kind of comes from that same place or is it something else? Mm, Um, I think it's different for everyone, like the, where it came from or what we learned specifically, but I would say everyone that I've spoken to has something to shift around it. 
like we take on all of these truths as children and then as adults we have to look and see like what the hell do I have here <laughs> like what is this book that I'm living by and like where do I need to rewrite do you have more like early memories around money I love that you recounted yeah. the um mm-hmm. the time in your mom's car I'm curious if you have other early memories around like yeah I totally do truth. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple ones that like stick out. Number one. And so my mom, so when I was young, my parents got divorced when I was around four, um, or maybe separated and divorced at five. And I remember being with my mom and we lived with my grandparents for a little bit. And then we moved into our own place and I was raised like we were on food stamps and I remember going to McDonald's and we couldn't get happy meals because it was more expensive to like get the happy meal with the toy than to just get a cheeseburger and French fries. And that is just something that like we always, I always remembered and it was a thing. And so visiting um, Boston a couple years ago, my mom came up and visited and my boyfriend at the time was with me and she bought us both like Ray-Bans. And I was like, thank you so much. Like, that's so like generous of you. And she was like, remember when I couldn't buy you Happy Meals? Like, here you go. And kind of like almost came full circle in a way. Um, so I definitely have that as something. And I also remember my grandmother was very like important in my life. And she was someone who was always bargain hunting. <laughs> and um, that is something I like took with me for a long time where like, if it was on sale, like, do I have to have it for a, a while? I think I really thought I did. And so I had to really think about that and what was lack versus abundance there. What did you discover? Um, that a lot of that is lack where it, it's like, it looks like abundance, it smells like abundance, but like, it's not. <laughs> um, and when my grandmother passed away, she died with like a closet full of clothes with all new tags on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of speaking love languages through money and gifts and handing, you know, handing $20 whenever I saw her. Um, as like a token of love, which I of course appreciate. And I've definitely looked at that a lot as an adult and been like, okay, what, what else did we need? Like what else, um, you know, what else is there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the most, what do you think is the most creative way that you've, um, that you've made money? Mm. I'm, I'm hesitant to use the word make money, but yeah. But that, that is the title of this podcast, so <laughs> we're going to go with it. <laughs> um, so it's interesting. Creative way to make money. What's the most creative way that you yourself have made money? Yeah, so I'm torn here because I'm like creative as in like creative process and like what seems creative or like <laughs> actual like playing with the universe creative. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so. I would go in either direction. I think both of those are. Both of those are aligned with the question and. Okay. Well, actually this probably goes together. So I am someone who like, I play games with money creation and I'm thinking back to like last summer, I was doing one of these things. I'm like, okay, I, um, I like to write down like my sales goal, my income goal, and then kind of allow the universe to meet me there and see what comes up. So I was doing that. And in that I had a friend reach out who asked me to write knock-knock jokes for like a very large um, company, which I don't even know if I can say their name now that I'm saying this story. Um, and so that we'll was like- keep it, We'll keep it confidential. You can yeah. tell it anonymously. <laughs> 
super anon, um, but a giant freaking company that like owns half the world, I'm guessing. Um, and so writing knock knock jokes for them, super out of left field. Like I would, I know, like it just doesn't, you know what I mean? It doesn't make any logical sense. I didn't apply to do any of that, but it comes out of nowhere. And it's like, what a fun thing to just be literally playing to create money. And that's, that's the most creative way. Mm. I'm like, what else is, I feel like it's all creative because it's all just like, ta-da. Totally. Can you um, share a little bit more about like the games that you play with money? <laughs> um, yes, I can. <laughs> so when I feel like. This is, this is, Erin has like a crazy crazy like she has a lot of crazy stories around generating revenue and literally creating money so i i would love for you to share some of that um so listeners can understand what's possible sure so what i do and i don't you know everyone has their own money stories and whatever something that shows up for me that i'm shifting but has shown up a number of times is like okay i have no money <laughs> like i have everything you can possibly imagine. I have a beautiful house. I have kids. I'm going on vacation. Like, and I create money for all of these things, but like my bank account, the number didn't get the memo. Um, even though I'm creating money for all the things. So when I find that happens and I'm thinking about one time in particular, um, I don't even know how long ago that was cause time isn't real. Um, but I was in Florida and I was having one of these moments where I'm like, okay, I owe, <laughs> I have to pay a bill. That's like a thousand dollars tomorrow. Like I need a thousand dollars. And so what I did was I went to the beach by myself. My mom like stayed with my kids who were napping and I sat there and there's kind of like two things that can happen here. Number one is that you get that like, Oh my God, what the fuck am I going to do? It's the end of the world. Like, and you get that doom and the anxiety and all that stuff. What I've learned is like, it doesn't matter. Like those feelings don't matter. So like, it's cool if they show up, but also they're not helping you get the money. So like, why sit in that? So what I did instead was I went to the beach and I sat there and number one, I reclaimed my power around that. So that uncomfortableness I was feeling, I kind of call out and say like, oh, hey, like I'm feeling, feeling discomfort in my chest, like, and now I'm pulling my power back and I appreciate myself for creating this experience to remember that I'm a creator. Um, And then from there, I basically just declare what is happening. So I do a lot of like talking to myself, (laughs) whether that's journaling or sometimes I'll speak it out loud, but basically like, this is what's happening. Like $1,500 is coming to me. I don't care how it's coming. Like, I don't care. I'm, I'm totally open, but like there's going to be $1,500 in my account tomorrow. Um, and then what happens is you kind of snap into possibility rather than like, Oh my God, what's happening. And so from there, after doing that and kind of sinking into that and sinking into the feeling of like, what is it going to feel like when I have it? Um, I move my vibration into that space. And then, and then I like live. (laughs) And what happens for me anyway, is I start to remember things. Like I had had an invoice that like I needed to remind someone about. I had um, an email that I need to send, just like little things where I'm closing loops energetically, regardless of whether or not they have to do with that money. Um, and as I go through those motions and take care of the things on my side, weird things happen. Like people reach out and they're like, Hey, like I I do want to do this. Like after months when you haven't heard from them, um, or (laughs) most recently my dad was like, Oh, Hey, here's a hundred dollars. Like, I just love you, which is, you know, the money 
love language thing I was talking about before, but all of those things start to show up. And so far I have not had an, a situation where it hasn't worked that I can think of anyway. Right. There's no evidence of that. Yeah. No. Can we, I want to like circle back to the loops thing, um, particularly because this is a, this is like coming up a lot lately. Like it's coming up with my clients mm-hmm. um, repeatedly and it's something that I feel um, like really deeply conscious of at this moment. And I love that you mentioned it. So can you talk more about energy loops and um, like what those are and like why we need to be conscious of them and, and like closing them or being totally. aware of what's, what's like left um, open? Like I had a client the other day that was like, I just have so many loose ends. I'm like, all right, let's take stock. <laughs> it's like, yep. That, that's going to drain the shit out of you and like all that stuff. So can you just talk more about what that is? Totally. So if we're energetic beings and we have all of these ideas, right? Especially as creative people, like we're going to have ideas and want to do things and collaborate with people. We're going to want to buy things and we go ahead and we initiate a lot. And then most of us or a lot of us, I don't know, have a tendency to not finish all of the things. And what we're left with is a bunch of energetic loops that are open instead of closed. Meaning, like if I write down all of the projects I'm working on right now, I'm super guilty of this. I have probably 18 different active projects. Um, because of our different human designs and Colby's and all of that, I think this can work differently for different people. So I'm actually quite happy and not overwhelmed with my 18. However, <laughs> when I start to open more, when I decide like, oh, I want to do a branding project, talk to the person I want to hire for branding, and then don't pay them, like I don't complete the I want to do this. Um, Things are left hanging. And what happens is we have these energetic leaks, right? Um, And what starts to happen as we're doing that, it feels like we're juggling things and things are a little bit out of control because all of the balls are in our court energetically, if that makes sense. Um, And so what we have to do is start closing them, closing the loops. Why this is really important for people is because as we do that, we start to notice that the people around us are doing the same thing because we're all mirrors of each other, right? So it's super important in sales in particular when people are saying, oh my God, yes, I so want to do this. And then ghosting (laughs) or not signing their contract or not paying, even though it's with the best intention, um, because that's not good for us. And so what we have to do is look at ourselves and where are we doing that in our own lives. And then when we start closing those loops, you'll notice that the clients and people around you start closing theirs as well. Boom. Yeah. But at least that's what I find. Yes. And I thank you for, thank you for going through that explanation and also explaining like how it applies to creative service providers, because, um, you know, whether, whether, whatever services you're selling, um, if you are a service provider, you're going to be doing consultations and you're going to have clients showing up and being like, I totally want to work with you. Um, I've had people like apply to work with me and like fill out an application Mm-hmm. And go through the whole process and then just be like, mm, I have to wait till next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so there's two things there. Like number one, energetic loops and maybe they're overwhelmed and created a situation. And also like sometimes I think that we do all the looping stuff on purpose, like out of fear to just like protect us in the, eh, I'm overwhelmed instead of actually taking action on the things we want. Mm-hmm. Totally. So why does it protect us to be overwhelmed? Um, because it's really safe to feel like I'm so busy. I can't when like you and I both know that's bullshit. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because our priorities, we actually take the time to do them <laughs> and we make them happen. And a lot of times these projects that I, we're talking about, like um, they're pushing us forward, right? We're becoming more of the version of us that we want to be, that we desire to be. Um, and it can be much safer, feel safer to stay where we are instead, where you know the problems and like, this is all very familiar to feel busy. Oh my God. You know, it's mm-hmm. not familiar, like having too much money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. I'm yeah. like, no, I'm no mental health expert. <laughs> 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 However, um, as somebody who has personally like had issues with depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. um, you know, throughout, throughout my life. I love that we're talking about this because I think it's important to acknowledge like how even those things serve you and, and like why you would choose to stay in them. So like being overwhelmed, for example, like might serve you because it keeps you from focusing on what you really want, right. Or like getting clear or sitting with yourself, or it might even just keep you like from being by yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's really funny how, uh, when you get really clear on like, well, where's that, where's that that feeling of overwhelm or anxiety really coming from? What's the source of it? You know, what's really creating that tension and that friction? Mm-hmm. Um, and why have you chosen a situation that allows you to feel that way? Right. Yep. And then just noticing that you have and like, cool, <laughs> neutralize the feeling. And then we can actually look at what's going on and figure out like next steps. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite... Um, like your favorite way to work with clients? My favorite way to work with clients is, I would say intensives, intensives with like giant post-its and really mapping out and like figuring out who they are, like as a person, what is their human design? What's their Colby? What are their strengths? And then looking at like, what are your passions and what are you called to? One of my favorite questions is, um, what did you want to be when you were little? Because there's usually some like golden nuggets there just of like who you've always been. Um, And then really working that all together to figure out, okay, and what do you want out of this life? Like how much money do you want and how can we couple those two things together? So from like a spiritual side, but also a very strategic side. Well, now everyone wants to know the answer to the $5 million question, which, uh, which in this case it's not what we might think it is. It, it is, what did you want to be when you were little? Oh, <laughs> I wanted, I've always wanted to be a number of things. And I actually had an uncle who at every Christmas would, um, with a video camera, ask us what we wanted to be. Um, and I remember like preparing for this. So I wanted to be a, ter- a teacher, a teacher, <laughs> a priest, the president, a mom and happy. I feel like you're all those things. I know. <laughs> I'm, working, I'm working on the current expression of what that looks like, but yeah, they're all definitely within me. I think you've actualized that. We just have to get you in the presidency and you're set. Working on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One step at a time. You've actualized all those things. So let's talk a little bit about like creative projects um, beyond beyond money creation, right? Like- sure passion projects, things that we care about, things that we enjoy that might not generate revenue um, or might not generate revenue yet. How do you create balance in your life as someone who is both creative and an entrepreneur? That's a great question. And how do I create balance? (laughs) Um, I fail at this all the time, number one, just to put that out there. 
Um, but mm, the way it works best for me is by considering my creation part of like a ritual. And I actually put it under the umbrella of self-care. Um, and that makes me do it. So what I'm talking about writing in this case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for me, it looks like journaling or writing and actually like putting time on my calendar to write. Um, and just knowing that playing in that creative expression actually makes me better at everything else. Mm, how? How does it make you better at everything else? Um, I think because it gives, it gives me a lightness. Like when I've played in that and when I've written, like I feel accomplished in a way that I don't feel accomplished by checking boxes for work or for clients or anything else. Um, and that gives me a sense of peace that I then bring with me into anything I do. So particularly with parenting, uh, I'm a much better mom when I'm taking care of myself and, and taking care of like my creativity. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that like a regular writing practice is something that um, is something that like, no matter what kind of brings that to you? That peacefulness, you mean? Yeah. Um, yes. And what I'm finding now too, is that I feel like I'm playing with other creative modalities, even just in like movement, right. And dance Mm -hmm. and like learning that I get that same sense of like, oh my gosh, peace, because I'm expressing myself. Um, Mm -hmm. so I can kind of play with which way I want to do it, which day. How would you tell someone to kind of find like their outlet? You know, if, if someone was like, you know, gosh, I really want to find what that is for me that makes me feel super fully expressed. Like what would you, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I would say to get really curious about it. And I love, you know, looking back at childhood and like, what did you really like then? And then just dipping your toe in things. And the point, like the best point I think about all of this is that like the point isn't to be perfect or wonderful at it. The point is to do it and to like let yourself live in the doing. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things, you know, that I've found that I loved is um, improv and being on stage because it is literally the art of playing make-believe. And that's a beautiful starting point. I think if you really have no idea, like a journal is the easiest probably. And then depending on if you're looking for with people, like just really getting curious about like, what do you want out of this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are you working on right now that you're most excited about? Hmm. That's a good question that I'm most excited about. I'm most excited about probably the book that I've like been working on. Mm-hmm. And the reason that excites me is because I feel like I can, a book is big enough to like, tell enough and to give people an experience out of my own experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my next, que- this is like the follow-up question that comes after this question is, is this a revenue generating project? Oh, that's a great question. I'm going to say yes, because I intend for it to be like, I would like it to be. And also I'm going to create it regardless of that outcome. So how do you hold yourself accountable to doing work that isn't revenue generating? <laughs> By having friends like you. 
<laughs> literally by like being um, either in touch with other creatives who like get it and recognize that like, oh, we need to hold space for this mm-hmm. um, or hiring someone who will make you hold that space or, you know, literally has a container for supporting you in doing so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the other piece is really just like making it habitual. Can you give us a taste of um, like what the book's about? Um, working title, Shiny Bitch Bible. <laughs> hmm. um, and it basically is about figuring out who the hell you are and what you want and then doing it. Love it. Mm-hmm. You're the type of person who has like, uh, a, like, you know, a lot of things about a lot of different topics. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, like, how did you get savvy on all the magical things that you teach to other people and kind of use in your arsenal of tools? Um, great question. Um, I think that I just kind of travel, travel down different rabbit holes based on where my curiosity leads me. Um, and then one of those rabbit holes, of course, is human design. (laughs) And in human design, there's different profiles of people. And my like conscious number is a one, which is the investigator. Um, so, you know, I believe and that kind of shows me that like, I am the type of person who does exactly what you just say. Like, that's very much just part of who I am. Mm-hmm. So I've f- taken course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I've taken courses, I've read books, I've listened to things, and I literally just find things that I'm interested in and then kind of dig, 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 dig until I'm satisfied. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, um, what I want to say on this, like, I love that. And what I want to bring up around it is, that I feel like something that I've struggled with as a creative um, has been this like information overload and feeling like, like I've read so much or like I know so much or like I've gotten the information from somewhere or someone's taught me something or, you know, I, I worked with a strategist or a coach that kind of, you know, gave me the rundown of, of a particular topic. Um, and then, you know, it, sometimes it can be like, almost paralyzing or like mentally overwhelming to feel like you have so much information Um, Mm -hmm. or like that you need to kind of like not let all that information spin around your head and find a way to channel it into something like active and positive and productive and like useful. So I think a lot of that is like, it's very much like a mental processing thing, you know, but I'm curious to hear from you, like, how do you avoid feeling like, information overload or like um sad being so saturated with all the rabbit holes that you go down that it doesn't like interfere with your own creation does that make sense yeah it does um i find the rabbit holes i choose to go down go down feel very like nourishing for me um most of the time anyway um so let's see in terms of like information overwhelm i think that really comes down to knowing who you are and what you need to move forward Um, so if we're looking at like human design and Colby and like knowing who we are as humans, that kind of gives us the freedom to say like, okay, I don't need that. And to know like, oh my God, I'm totally going to get stuck in this because I'm a fact finder and like, this is my MO. So Mm -hmm. for me, I think it really comes down to knowing yourself (laughs) and like, what are you doing? And like, how do you hide? Is that a way you hide in rabbit holes? Hmm. Is that a thing for you? Um, 
I don't know. <laughs> um, probably, well, probably on some level, but for me that shows up as like, I know so much about this, but I don't know everything about it. Mm. So should I be talking about it? So what's important for me is to integrate whatever I've learned, like for myself, you know, to share with my clients, to share with whoever, and then, and then go from there rather than being like, okay, I learned all these things and now I'm in charge of this. Totally. You know, I read this amazing blog post from Denise Duffield Thomas. I want to say like, I don't know, a couple of months ago. And there was this one point that she made that really stuck out to me around this. And it was this like, um, I don't know the exact language, so I might totally mess this one up, but it was something around like, I'm not, I'm not an expert. I'm a contributor to this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, like this, per- like the permission of like, yeah, we can know, you know, 20% of what there is to know on a topic and like still contribute valuably to the conversation um, and still like bring people into that knowledge to benefit them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's just like, I feel like that's exactly what you're saying. Um, mm-hmm. And it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, like, especially in this world where information is everywhere, like who knows everything about something? And like, do you trust everything you read on the internet? You probably (laughs) should. (laughs) Right. And like, I'm not going to get my PhD in like the random thing I'm interested in this week because I know myself and then I'm going to be interested in something else (laughs) a week down the line. So I'll just take and absorb like what resonates with me and kind of trust that like, I'm going to have what I need from this subject and then carry on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love that. Uh-huh. So what I'd love to know, um, what I'd love to know next is if you had $5 million tax-free um, and it was deposited into your, into your bank account next week, like no strings attached, $5 million, what would you use that money for? Mm-hmm. Um, I would hire someone who knows about money to make that money, make more money for me. And while that was happening, um, I would have a giant house, um, with wonderful staff and I would fill it with foster children and my own children. And that would be my new life. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like more to that, but that would definitely be step one. Okay. What's step two? Mm, okay. Um, step two is I have another house that is on the beach. I feel mm-hmm. very called for that. Um, I would pay off all of my debt. Hashtag student loans are real. They're so real. They're so real. Um, and then, yeah, I just... I, I just see life and like travel and um, kind of like legacy work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I, I can't even tell you how many people I, I interview that um, with the money, like the $5 million question is something I ask everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's really awesome that like everyone has like a, a give back and it's almost always for children. That's interesting. It's like for foster care, for domestic violence, for uh, youth centers, for mm-hmm. like, we, we are all like wanting to be the responsible parents for every child on the planet. 
Yeah. So like we know the children are our future and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so awesome. And also I fucking hate that. Like that's the answer to the $5 million question and not the like, what are you doing with your life? Because we live in a world where we have to create money, right. To like live and prosper. And so that becomes like a down the line thing. And so I would love to create, to be part of this shift where like we can do both. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. that might've been your answer at $1 million. You know what I mean? And it might've been. You right. Know. But I wish that was my $100,000 answer. Mm. What would it take to make it your $100,000 answer? More than $100,000. <laughs> and that's the problem. You know what I mean? Like it could probably be my $500,000 answer. Mm-hmm. At least that's what it feels like at this moment in time. And I'm open to that shifting. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Erin has like a very uh, personal mission around foster care and kind of having a home for foster children like this isn't this isn't a new a new vision <laughs> however it's in, it's interesting to know like what is that financial benchmark um mm-hmm. where you feel like okay i can i my cup is full and i can spill over cuz i think that that's kind of what we're getting at is like that there is this idea of of having you know like we need to have a certain amount of of money of resources of security of you know, whatever that may be before we feel, you know, like we can spill over. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that goes for like our personal energy, how we take care of ourselves before others. It's like an oxygen mask thing, but it's interesting to kind of notice what those, what that energetic benchmark is, you know, what that financial benchmark is for someone to feel like they're qualified to then give back in, in another way, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, about it, just on like an energy level too. And like having enough um, for yourself to do the creative projects and, you know, in my case to be a good mom to my birth children and to pay the bills and to want to travel. Like, can we, how, can, how, like that whole having it all thing, like really bringing it all together. Cause it feels big. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you tell clients when about like their big visions and the, like, how can I have it all? You know, if someone came to you and was like, I just have these big dreams for how much I want to give back and how much I want to create. And like, it feels so impossible. Like, how am I going to do it all? Um, Mm -hmm. What would, what would you, what would your guidance be? Yeah. So um, if we want it, like it wants us to would be my like guiding thought here. And I would look at it and kind of look at how can we get that now, even if it's on a smaller scale. So what would that look like in your case? Like, um, just like a tangible, just as like a tangible example for listeners of like, yeah. get that now on a smaller scale. So like, what does that mean? Yeah. Okay. So for me, so one thing that I've like done around this to kind of like get me feeling in the energy of this is, you know, taking the foster parent training course. I'm like, that's one step closer, right? I'm in the motion of being there. And then also like back in December when I was like, okay, like we're, I collected a bunch of money for kids who are in foster care for um, Christmas gifts. And like all of that felt so good because it is in line, like it is in the world that I want to be living in. Um, So when I think about that now um, and like what's next, you know, it's continuing the certification and it's 
making those connections. And just for me too, because I'm the learner, like it's me learning all of the things about the system because I also understand that like, I am not here to walk in and be like, okay, I'm in charge now. This is what we're doing. This is how we're changing this. Um, but actually to like start to learn and start to become someone who knows at least 20% of this vast knowledge of information. Love it. Mm-hmm. Got to start being the change, right? You got to be the change. So what is your parting piece of advice for our listeners? Um, anyone who's listening, who they might be a creative, who has a more, who is an employer for somebody or has, you know, kind of a full-time job, but creative projects that they want to be birthing into the world, or they may be a creative entrepreneur or creative service provider. Um, What parting piece of advice would you want them to take away and remember from this episode? Hmm. Um, My parting piece of advice is to get to know yourself. And I think that is so important because like we are, we're all so similar, right? We're all humans having this experience and like, there's so much that we have in common and you are unique. You grew up in a certain house, even thinking about like me and my brother, same house, but like we're very different people and we hold on to different things and everyone has work that they need to do. um, Whether it's forgiveness or releasing or just to permission, right? Granting permission to have what we want. Um, And I think that really starts, in knowing who you are and then it gives you a lens to get to know others in and i think that's the most important thing we can do love it so where can listeners stalk you on the interwebs i know come to one of your deliciously wonderful live events yes please do erinlindstrom.com fantastic Thank you so much, Erin. This was incredible. I so appreciate you taking the time to share your genius with us. Thanks, Jamie. That was so fun. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Creatives Making Money. And if you liked today's episode, don't go anywhere without subscribing. Also remember that after the show, it's the after party and we do a weekly after party on Facebook Live every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Each week, I'll be jamming on special actionable takeaways for you from that week's episode. So go to creativesmakingmoney.com slash afterparty to join us. And if you're looking to connect with more listeners and like-minded creatives, you totally can. We have a special private online Facebook lounge just for listeners of this podcast, and you can head to creativesmakingmoney.com slash group to join the free group. And as always, you can find all of the important links and details from this episode's show in the show notes. Those are available at creativesmakingmoney.com slash Erin Lindstrom. Again, that's creativesmakingmoney.com slash Erin Lindstrom. Do not hesitate to head over there now. And as always, create like you mean it. This episode is sponsored by Copy That, my signature course for writing websites that speak volumes and sell something that every creative making money for sure needs. To learn more about my approach to writing that sells, you can visit thecopythatcourse.com slash free training.